This is episode number 97 with Erin Falconer. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Erin Balconer is an author and digital entrepreneur. And in 2018, she released the critically acclaimed self-improvement female empowerment book, How to Get Shit Done, Why Women Need to Stop Doing Everything So They Can Achieve Anything. What an epic title. And in today's episode, we chat about her journey from crying on the bathroom floor to where she is today, how to move through procrastination and start focusing, the powerful exercise to do less in your life and career, but achieve more, how to stay motivated and find your flow, the surprising two things that will help you get organized so you can be highly productive, how to achieve more of what your heart truly desires, why you need to quit comparing yourself and let go of perfectionism, the three powerful personality traits that she attributes all of her success to, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 97. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this week it comes from Victoria K. And she says, this is such an amazing podcast. So full of juicy information that will make you want to listen over and over again. Melissa is an inspiration. Thank you so much, Victoria, for that beautiful five-star review. I am so grateful. And if you want to be the review of the week next week, please head on over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. And now let's bring on the super gorgeous Erin Falconer. Erin, it is so great to have you on the show. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? First of all, great to be here. Thank you for having me. And I have the same thing basically every morning, which is a a dragon fruit smoothie. I use a, a frozen papaya stick, half a banana, about a cup of almond milk, some frozen blueberries, some collagen powder, Greek yogurt. And that's it. I blend it and I drink it. It's very beautiful and and kind of fuchsia. I like to do that every day because I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat meat. So it's a good, the Greek yogurt gives me a big uh, protein boost in the morning. Mm, I bet it looks so pretty with the dragon fruit. It's very (laughs) Instagram-y. Awesome. Well, I am so pumped to have you on the show today. Because a lot of women today feel like if they're not 
climbing the corporate ladder or building a successful career or side hustle or preparing home-cooked organic meals and tucking their kids in at night, meditating daily, exercising, scheduling play dates, dinner dates, girls' nights every single week. If we're not doing all of that, they feel like a massive failure and that they're not like living their best life. And I'm curious to know if that's how you felt and if that's why you wrote your book, How to Get Shit Done, why women need to stop doing everything so they can achieve anything. So is that how you felt and why you wrote the book? Yeah. In a nutshell, yeah, that is kind of what the way I felt, but I didn't even recognize that I felt that way um, until kind of a bit of backstory here. I I don't necessarily need to get into all of it, but I moved to Los Angeles to be a writer uh, about 10 years ago. Long story short, and I talk about this in the book, um, I it was an epic failure. And I kind of find my felt found myself with my back up against the wall, literally crying um, on the bathroom floor in the fetal position because I had come down here with a great dream and ended up with no car, my house about to be foreclosed upon, my visa about to be up. And so I really was like, oh my God, how did I get in this position? So my options were to go home with my tail between my legs back to Canada, where I'm from, and kind of admit defeat or try and figure out in a very quick way some some solution that I could stay here and keep kind of pursuing my dream. So I put out like a hundred um, emails on Craigslist, which I don't know if you guys have Craigslist over there, but it's basically a, uh, among other things, there's a job boards and got one response back. And that response was for a job, a $15 an hour copywriting job. And I had literally, it was take that job or go back to Canada. And when I moved to Los Angeles, that is not the kind of writing job that I was looking for. But I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take this and I'm literally going to make the most of this job. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to, I'm going to try my hardest. This is my last chance. Again, long story short, I'm happy to get into the details, but I was able to take that job, that $15 an hour copywriting job, turn it into pick the brain, which is my current blog. Uh, this is in 2007, 2008. So I've now had, I've got one of the most OG self-improvement blogs on the web. I have over 400 people writing for me. I co-founded another company called Leaf uh, TV, which is a millennial woman video e-commerce shopping site that I just actually sold about a year ago. And out of the blue, um, I got, this is two years ago, I got an email uh, from a New York lit agent. And she hit me up and said she wanted to talk. And I jumped on the phone on the phone with her and she said, Aaron, we'd love you to write a book. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is like my dream. This is why I moved to Los Angeles. I can't believe 10 years later, somebody's calling and they want to, they think that I could write a book. This is amazing. So I was like, yeah, yes, of course. Of course. What do you want the book to be on? And she said, well, we want it to be about you. And I said, what? like genuinely shocked. And I said, but I don't, who, what, who would read that book? And she said, but you've done this and you've done this and you've done this. And like, who wouldn't want to read that book? It's very inspirational. I got off the phone with her and literally I was gobsmacked. I was like, is this woman crazy? Like, seriously, why would I write a book in any part about myself? And I started to think about it that I thought about it all night. And I, I, I said, 
hey, wait, I wait, I have done some pretty cool things. I mean, I, I haven't changed the world, but I've done some pretty impressive business things. I've done some pretty impressive social things. And yet I haven't stopped to appreciate any of this or never mind appreciate it. I'm, I haven't even acknowledged that I've any of these achievements or accomplishments. I'm just going, going, going on to the next, on to the next. And when I went into my office the next day, I had the great fortune of working with some very strong uh, and intelligent, super courageous women. I, I looked around the office and I said to myself, oh my God, I think we're all suffering for the same, from the same kind of disease here, which is just that we're going, going, going. It's never enough. We're never stopping to appreciate anything. And that's a real problem. And I, and I found, I, I found it very specific to women. When I looked around the men that I was working with, they didn't seem to be suffer or suffering from this, this kind of way of life. And I, it was in that moment that I was like, wait a second, I think there is a book here. And so that's kind of the genesis. So after you discovered this, what happened? Well, I started to say, Hey, I need to look into this. I need to understand why this is happening. I need to, I need to really dive into this. And, and so it's, it was a really interesting process writing this book because as I was writing it, I was learning a lot about myself and what was going on. So it's not like when I started writing this book, I was an expert on all this stuff. It was kind of a fact finding mission. At least the first half of it, of, of, of doing the research for this book was a lot of self discovery. So it was a very, very interesting process. Mm. So why is this productivity model that we subscribe to, how is it outdated and, and how is it not serving the modern woman anymore? Yeah. And I talk about this in the book. I, I just feel like the very definition of productivity is very, very antiquated. And, and the word itself is productivity. It's about a product. It's product centric. It's not person centric. So, you know, the classic definition of productivity is just how many hours did you put in the day and how much stuff did you get done? I don't think it should be a question of necessarily how much you get done in a vacuum. I think the idea is, is that you have to take the time to understand who you are and what you really want and what you really want to accomplish in your life and what your set of moral values and what your set of goal, personal goals are and have those really locked down. Start to create a system for yourself where everything you're doing in the day, both professionally and personally, is consciously moving those those things forward. And the things that aren't moving your personal goals and your personal agenda forward, you have to find a way over time to minimize and ultimately let go of. And so the idea is not that you're doing more, 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 more. The idea is actually that you're doing more of what moves the needle for you personally and less of everything else altogether. And so I talk about in the book that you know, also, I, I view the internet, the digital era as the great equalizer for women. Um, it's, we've gotten rid a lot of a lot of the traditional hier hierarchies, a lot of the traditional nine to fives. There are a lot more creative ways to work. There are a lot more jobs that have been created, uh, whole careers, whether th that are online. And so that really supports a, a woman, a woman's schedule. And you're not kind of beholden, as I said, to those traditional hierarchies. Problem is that because we are relatively new to the workforce, it just feels like we're constantly overcompensating. And, and so a lot of this need to get, do everything is very fear based. You know, fear that if we're never doing enough, fear that if we stop or let go for one second, we're going to be replaced. First of all, when you're operating out of a position of fear, you're never going to be truly productive or truly happy. It's about really kind of finding your voice 
and, and who you are and then sticking to that. And, and once you, once you start to really act in that truth, it's amazing how easily you can start to let other things go. Whereas now, if you just start to, you know, let things go, you're in a panic state, as I said, thinking that you're not, you're not doing enough or you're not good enough. Yeah. So the subtitle of your book is why women need to stop doing everything so they can achieve anything. And, you know, you're talking about really eliminating the things that don't light us up, getting rid of those things. But what if, you know, preparing the home cooked meals, tucking the kids in at night, the meditating, the exercising, the scheduling play dates, what if all of that stuff does light us up? Like, what do we do then? Well, I think the thing is, is that you've got to find some balance and, and you've got to find yourself in the middle of it. I mean, you can only achieve all of those things if you really have enough energy to do so, right? At any given time, you're going to have to make some choices. And that doesn't mean eventually you can't get to everything on your list. But if you try and do everything at the same time, I just don't even know if you can do everything well. You know what I mean? So for me, it's about, it's about narrowing the focus. And even if you do like to do all of those things, I'm sure there are some things that you, that, that, that are more impactful than others. And, you know, and that's the thing. It's, it's, there is no one formula. It's, it's when you're setting out your goals or, or deciding what you want to do, at least in the short term for your life, it's not, you don't lock in for the rest of, you know, for, for the next 20 years, it's, it's a, it's a, it's something that's constantly changing, um, and evolving and, and pivoting. And, and so I think you do have to be selective because I think when you sit down and you analyze everything you're doing, there will be some things that you're like, okay, well, I like that, but is it as meaningful to me as do it as meditating every morning for 20 minutes? Not really. Cause I get a lot out of meditating. It centers me. It, it, it grounds me. It, I, it fills my energy coffers. It sets me up for the day. I think it's about kind of prioritizing. That's a really good tip. It's like sit down with a pen and paper and write out everything that you're currently doing and then working out, okay, can I delegate this? Do I want to keep doing this? This is how we create space. This is how we get more done. This is how we accomplish more. This is how we work smarter, not harder how we can do less but achieve more in our life and our career. And I personally did that many, many years ago in my business and in my life, in my personal life as well. And I sat down and I worked out all of the things that I didn't really enjoy doing in my business and I delegated them. And I hired people that loved to do those things. And then same with, you know, around the house. I delegated things. You know, I got my husband involved. I got my little boy involved. And I was like, right, I don't love vacuuming the balcony. So I'm like, Leo, that's your job. You know, there's things that you can do to really set yourself up for success. Absolutely. And you made a good point. Uh, right at the beginning of this it, about writing things down. I, I am a huge, huge, huge proponent of writing things down because when you put things on paper or, or if you type them in, you know, into your computer, once you have those, those everything down in black and white, there's a, there's a real accountability around that as opposed to just living in your head. So I think it is really important to write things down. And I talk about in the book about doing a seven day time challenge, which basically I ask you to write down everything you're doing from the time you wake up till the time you go to sleep for seven days in a row. And at the end of that seven days, look at, look at 
all the ways you're spending your time. And I guarantee you, you will be shocked to see how much time you are giving away, how much time is not you're spending on stuff that's not moving the needle for you at all. And so if you can get rid of all it, be conscious of the stuff and then start to get rid of the stuff that is not helping move your agenda forward, you'll be amazed how much time you do actually have to do the things that, you know, as you said, light you up, whether it's meditation and we're cooking great meals or you can washing the kids baseball game, you probably do have a lot more time than you think once you cut the fat, but you've got to do, you've got to do the work to see exactly where you're spending your time. Because again, we're going through the motion so much that we're not even really, I'd say we're 20% aware of how we're actually spending our time, the bulk of our time. Such a powerful thing to do. I really want to encourage everyone listening to do that, to sit down with a pen and paper, whether you do it over the seven days or you just create a list of everything that you're doing. And honestly, I did this many years ago and it changed my life. Like it literally changed my personal life and my business. And it's it's allowed me to be where I am. And within one of the two businesses that I run, I have a team of over 2000 people. And I see a lot of women struggle with procrastination and motivation and organization. But if I'm really honest with you, they're not things that I struggle with. So I kind of find it a little bit hard to relate. Like for me, when someone's like, I'm really struggling with procrastination, I'm like, just do it. I know you talk about procrastination and motivation and organization in your book. So let's break them down. If someone listening is struggling with procrastination, what can they do? How can they move through it and start focusing? What can we do today to do that? Well, I think the first thing you, you got to try and understand is why you're procrastinating in the first place. Because a lot of times, and when people write, write me all the time, um, on my, you know, through my blog and they say, you know, they say that exact thing. I'm having so much trouble. I just, I can't get the work done. I'm procrastinating. And, and I say to them, well, what work are you doing? Well, I'm doing this. Why are you doing that? Well, that's my job. But why is that your job? You've got to get to the, like, you've got to get to the core of why you're doing the things you're doing. And if you don't understand the why, it's very hard to get past procrastination. Conversely, if you do understand the why, it's a lot easier, right? So it's not like I'm doing this uh, report because I have to, right? It's I'm doing this report. And if I do this report, this will get me to this place. And if I do a good job on it, this will get me to this place. And, th- and and you figure out what the whys are. All of a sudden, that becomes a much more compelling proposition. So yeah, that's the first That's the first thing is really understanding the why. And then the other thing is a lot of people, they, they don't understand they have a lot of subconscious fear. And that's really what's holding them back. They're scared to to, to put themselves out there in their work. They're scared that they're going to do something and then that they're going to be criticized or it's not going to be good enough. And so often a lot of times fear is what's holding you back. So the first step is just recognizing again, like, are you not doing this because there is, you're scared of something. And once you acknowledge that half of the fear goes away and, and, and the other half that's left, it's much easier to address because at least you're conscious of it. So you know, it's, it's really understanding the root of why you are procrastinating that, that then you can, you can help overcome. And I think it's getting really honest with yourself, like getting radically honest with yourself, you know, like, why am I procrastinating? Maybe this job is not my truth. 
being really, really honest with yourself. Is this really your truth? Because if it was, you wouldn't procrastinate. You would be bursting out of your skin to do it. Like that honestly is why I don't have an issue with procrastination because I love what I do so much. I've always done what I love. And that is something that I really want to encourage everyone listening is maybe ponder on that. Like, is this job or is this goal actually true for you? Maybe it was one day, but maybe it's not anymore. And so maybe that's why you're procrastinating. But I would love to hear now, what are the best ways to find your flow so you can stay motivated and reach your goals? Like again, motivation is kind of like procrastination, not something that I struggle with, but I hear it a lot. How do you get motivated? How do I stay motivated? You know, what are some ways that you find your flow and do you have an issue with staying motivated? I don't personally have an issue with, with, with staying motivated. That's I I'm, I'm lucky enough that again, probably like you, I've, I've been pretty razor focused on what I want and I've had many, many, many failures. As I said, I mean, as you know, I started, I started talking to you saying I was down and out in LA big time. My eye has always kind of been on the ball. And so I think again, for motivation, motivation, just like procrastination, it's when you find that thing that lights your fire, when you find those things that give you energy as opposed to deplete your energy you it is amazing how the motivation comes so naturally now that doesn't mean you're going to skip through life loving everything you do um of course that's not realistic at all but in those times when you're not feeling motivated if you can remind yourself of where what you're going for and what the when what when you achieve what you're going for what that'll look like what success will look like and feel like in the most tangible way you can i find it, it it's it it helps a lack of motivation hurdle almost every time the other thing is you can get lost in the details and sometimes even if you have a great long-term goal that really lights your fire and you sit down and you go, no, this is what I want to be doing, but God, why, why am I not motivated? Why do I keep feeling so sluggish about getting there? It's because you don't have a good plan in place or a good routine in place that are made of smaller goals, achievable goals, because it's those small victories that are what keep you going um, for the long haul. Because if it's a worthy goal, it's not going to be easy, right? It's going to be challenges. There are going to be times that you feel, God, I don't know if I can do this. But if you break your larger goal into kind of bite-sized, palatable, smaller goals that, again, can you can chalk up a lot of small victories along the way, that's a really good way to stay motivated. How do you map out your goals? Are you like a yearly goal person or a monthly or a weekly? Like, what do you do to achieve your goals? How do you map them out? Generally speaking, I, I like to, I, I think that there are kind of three big buckets of goals, um, your professional, your personal, um, and then relationships. And so I like to kind of carve out a big goal in each of those three categories. And those are kind of like, I I would say, I mean, I, I don't quite quantify it in this way, but I would say like, let's say it's a year long goal, something that's really something that I need to sink my teeth into something that will be a real accomplishment. Um, and, and something that's probably going to take no less than a year. So I set out those goals and then I just work backwards and say, no, what does, in order to achieve this, what are, what are the, what are, what are the tactics to get there? And what are the milestones that I need to hit in order to achieve these, these things? Um, and then, 
yeah, you, you kind of have to create your own. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't, it can, it can be bullet point, but basically break it down in a month to month thing where you're having a monthly check-in and saying, where am I at? What have I accomplished? Where do I need to pivot now? Because it's never going to be a straight line to the goal. It's always about fine tuning and pivoting and, and work, you know, moving more towards your successes and and then learning from your failures and all that kind of stuff. But so I, you know, once a month I check in with myself and, and say, okay, where, as I said, where am I at? Um, and I'll, I'll usually, I mean, it, it really does depend on the goal. So I am speaking vaguely now here, but you should have things every single week that you're trying in a concrete way, trying to accomplish. Again, those would be the micro goals that then lead toward the monthly kind of thing where you're checking in saying, where are you at? That then eventually will lead to like accomplishing the larger, uh, more meaty goals that you're set out for yourself. Yeah, I love that. Such great tips. Really, really helpful. And another thing that I hear a lot of is organization. How are you so organized? How do you get organized? And for me, it's like you just do. But how can we create the right habits so we can get organized and be highly productive? Like, what are your, is organization something that you struggle with? And if so, like, what are your best tips for people who are like really struggling with this at the moment? I think one of the, one of the cornerstones of organization is first of all, knowing very clearly what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Um, and being very conscious of, of, uh, of that. And so when you're organizing your day, you're, you're aware of the kind of the pain points of the stuff you don't want to do. And then the stuff that you can fly by and, and really makes you feel good. That's the kind of the first thing. The second thing is, and here's a, here's a good example. Again, this, everything is very personal to you. Only you know what you're struggling with and what your roadblocks are. But for example, for me, I'm, I'm a real night owl and, um, so I was having a tremendous, you know, my morning was kind of a write-off. And even though I had to be in an office, I would always kind of start kind of running out the door, coffee in my hand, like, uh, like kind of not frazzled, but certainly not together. That was a big problem for me. But I went on for years and years and years. And I didn't really quite identify that that was a problem or what that was doing to my productivity and also to my creativity. I started to really work on my sleep because... That was the cornerstone of why I was getting out of bed groggy and all of that kind of stuff. And so I made that a real personal project of mine. And over the last two years, I've been able to now get into the zone where I'm getting, you know, close to eight hours of sleep a night. I'm waking up. I have a solid morning routine. And for me, again, this is a personal thing. Creating a morning routine is not going to solve everybody's problem. But for me, having moments where like I carved out 20 minutes to meditate really set the tone for the rest of my day. And it makes organization feel a lot easier and a lot more attainable when I start my day um, in a calm, centered and focused way. So it's a, it's a really about identifying where your shortcomings are and then starting to craft a plan around that. Mm, I love that. I love it so much. And everyone can meditate. Everyone can just start to add, you know, five or 10 minutes to their morning. And it really does supercharge your productivity and it it works for me. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's a real game changer for me. And also sleep. I love that you mentioned that. Like, oh, so good. So important. Totally changed the game for me. You know, waking up feeling refreshed as opposed to like dragged through the mud 
I can't even tell. I mean, I, it sounds obvious, but when you're going through it, you know, it, you can't imagine how life-changing it can be. Exactly. So I'd love to hear your opinion. What is your thoughts on working harder versus working smarter? And how can we best use our time to get the important things done in your life every day? Sheryl Sandberg wrote a book called Lean In, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And I absolutely love Sheryl Sandberg, but I absolutely hate this analogy because I don't think it's an analogy that works. The, uh, the very idea of leaning in, and that's my definition of hard work, um, is at a certain point, physics takes over. You can only lean in so far and then you're going to fall on your face. My whole idea is that actually you need to step back, step, stand up, throw your shoulders back and see where you're at so that you can work smarter. And you know, so you can see where you want to go. You can see the path to get there clearer. And although, you know, we're speaking in metaphors, I do feel very strongly that this idea of doing more and more and more and more and more just because you can is actually, you're just doing more until you run into a brick wall. It feels inevitable to me. And so the idea is, as I said before, the, the, the internet is, is has been a great equalizer for women. And one of the reasons it's a great equalizer is because a lot of the convenience, a lot of the time-saving things that have happened through the internet have directly benefited w- things that women used to traditionally do. So now you can have, at least in, at least in Los Angeles, um, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same in Sydney, but like you can have somebody do your grocery shopping for you. You can have, you know, there's Uber, there's car, car sharing, ride sharing apps. There's, you can have babysitters come to your house. You can, there are so many things that take a load off of a, you know, the traditional woman's. The problem is women being women, we're freeing up all this extra time just to get more stuff done right? That's not the way it should be working. We should be freeing up more time so that that we can live and enjoy life and appreciate what we're doing and appreciate who we are and where we are, where we are in this world, as opposed to just, as I said, doing more to get more done, to collect more trophies, because what's at the end of it all, what's it, what's it, what does it mean? So that's my opinion on working harder versus smarter. Um, it's the idea of leaning in versus standing up and I'm about standing up. That's 100% my perspective. We actually had a few years ago, probably three years ago now, we had help come into our house. And this beautiful lady, she came in um, most mornings from six o'clock till about 10 o'clock. And she did all of the cooking, the school lunches. She made breakfast, lunch, and dinner for my husband, myself, and our little boy. And she did all the cleaning. And she went and did the grocery shopping. She did all the washing and things like that. And she was amazing. And she did this Monday to Friday. And at the start, it was amazing. It was so amazing. And then guess what happened? It actually had the reverse effect because guess what all I did was, was work. And I worked and I worked because I had so much time and space. I worked and worked and worked and my husband too because we didn't have to do the groceries and we didn't have to we didn't have to go get the car washed and we didn't have to make school lunches or do any of that. The only thing we had to do was school drop off and pick up and sometimes she was going to do that as well and we created this life and after 6 months of having her my husband was actually the one that saw it and he said I think this is what's happened because 
I was burning myself out. I literally was burning my adrenals out and was becoming unwell. And so he said to me, I think this is what's happening. Ever since we have had her, it has taken off all of these domestic duties that actually, you know, I now use as a meditation. Like I use vacuuming my house as a meditation. I use steam mopping my house as a meditation. I use cleaning my house as a meditation and I love it and as a mindfulness practice. And so we let her go and literally my whole life changed again. So it's like, okay, so do we delegate all of these things or do we not? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's all about finding your own personal recipe, your own personal formula, what works for you. For example, for me, I absolutely cannot stand grocery shopping. I've got girlfriends that love it. They're wonderful cooks and they love to spend time in each aisle smelling every orange or each piece of garlic or whatever the hell they do. I am the opposite. I just want to get out of there. I'm always freezing cold. I forget half the things that I'm supposed to be buying because I want to get out of there. This is not a good use of my time, right? It's something that brings me down. And it used to be a necessary evil, but today it is an unnecessary evil for me. I can have somebody do that. And it costs about $5.99. Now, one of the things that I've heard people say is, yeah, but I don't have money to do this type of stuff. The fact of the matter is, if it, it, and I give them this example, if it costs $5.99 to do this, to have somebody come and you know, get the groceries that I want and deliver them to my house. That $5.99 saves me an hour of time. And never mind the frustration and everything that goes along with it. What is my time worth? Well, I value my time a lot more than $5.99 an hour, right? I can get stuff done in that hour that is far more valuable than $5.99. So again, it's about doing the math for yourself. It's about really what it's about being very conscious and observant, just like you were, you know, you, you created something that you thought was a great solution and then you dialed it way back because in the end it didn't work the way that the the way you thought it was going to be. So it's about just being aware and being present and being tapped into everything you're doing to see what's working and what's not. And I don't think it's an all or nothing thing. I don't think you have to outsource everything. And I don't, but I don't also think that you should be outsourcing nothing just because to prove something to yourself that you can do everything because I don't know, I don't know. That's not helping anybody. You know what I mean? So it's like under, again, understanding the why, why are you doing this? Well, I, what, you know, I found myself at the, at the parking lot of a grocery store, at five, you know, six o'clock on a Friday evening one night. And I was like, I've had it. Why am I doing, I don't need to do this. This is insane. I just spent a, a, a crazy work week, uh, week, uh, working and da, 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 da. Now I'm sitting and I, I don't need to do this. This is totally depleting my energy. I need to, I need to get rid of this because I can. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. And so, and so, yeah, it's like, it's about finding your own personal formula. There isn't one thing that's going to work, but, but only you can answer what that personal formula is. And so you got to take the time to really start to evaluate and analyze how you're feeling, what's working, what's not, um, so that you can put a plan together that makes sense for you. Yeah. And it comes back to writing it down, maybe write down things in your personal life that don't light you up and see if you can delegate them. Like, you know, if mowing the lawn doesn't light you up, don't do it and just find those things. Like for me, I'm like your friends. I love going to the farmer's markets and getting all my produce and smelling everything. Like I I would never delegate that because that really lights me up. And I think it's really about 
sitting down with yourself, getting really clear on what is occupying your space and your time and then delegating what you wish and and not delegating the rest. It's a very individual process here. And this is what I love about you and your your work. It's, it's about really tuning in and working out what is right for you because what's right for me isn't right for you. And we're all different and we're all so unique. And it's really important that we honor that. Right. And I think so this idea of just trying to get everything done does not feel like a customized plan for you. It feels like just trying to do everything you can and hoping that some of it resonates or sticks or works. And that's that's not a very thoughtful plan. And you're going to get exactly what it sounds like out of that, which is not a lot. It's a lot of frustration and a lot of energy depletion and a lot of unnecessary exhaustion. And I think we've got to let go of what I call the comparisonitis you know, comparing ourselves to other women. And for the men listening, men compare themselves too, but we've really got to let that go because we're all so unique and different and we've got to just do what feels right for us, stay in our own lane. And another thing that I wanted to touch on was this idea of perfection and perfectionism. And you know, in all of my work, I say delete that word from your vocabulary because it just causes a lot of women to compare themselves to others. Have you found that women striving for perfectionism be very detrimental to them? Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like perfectionism, number one, it doesn't really exist. There is nothing perfect. So you're chasing something that doesn't really exist. That becomes a futile endeavor, which again, it's chasing something that you're never going to catch, first of all. Second of all, perfection, I guess if you could articulate what your uh, your perfect situation was all you're doing is you're not being true to who you really are because perfection is 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 a generic is a generic concept so you're chasing something a that you're never going to get and b even if you did achieve it it's generic it's not custom to you you've got to find your own path your own rhythm and and the mistakes you make along the way or the compromises you have to, you have to make are distinctly yours it's part of your blueprint. It's part of what makes you different. It's part of make, what makes your journey unique. And so it is, it's very difficult to do it to, to, to kind of, I see a lot of women tr- trying to go for this and it's become very, very difficult in the face of social media, especially the visual social medias like Instagram and Pinterest, where everybody has set up these quote unquote perfect lives, but they're not real. And so it, it's easy when you spend time scrolling through different feeds to start to feel bad about yourself. But you do have to remember that those photos and those pictures are not real. And, and again, chasing perfection is, is really futile. I absolutely agree. Delete it. Delete it from your vocabulary, from your mind, and just stay in your own lane and focus on you and what lights you up. That is how you achieve what you want to achieve in life. Exactly. I agree. I'd love to hear now, what do you attribute your success to? I would attribute my success to a couple of things. Number one, just perseverance. And let me back that up. Perseverance is, is, is kind of second. The first thing is, and I, I can't underscore this enough. We all have a voice inside us. We all have the answers inside us. They don't come instantly. They don't come all the time when you want them. But if you are listening and if you can find focus and if you can tune into yourself, you will find everything you need. The answers are there. And 
And for whatever reason, I have always had the ability to listen to myself, especially, especially when things weren't going the way I wanted them to go. I've always had faith in the voice that is inside me. And so, um, so that, that would be my biggest, absolutely my hands down biggest thing that I think has been a, has been a differentiator for whether I've found success or whether I failed. And then, um, perseverance, um, just, just being kind of really laser focused on following that voice, even in the face of, of, of great struggle. Um, you know, it's easy to try to, you know, when things aren't going great to kind of drown out that voice and say, this isn't working. I need to follow the crowd. I need to do, ah, I need to go to law school instead of trying to be a writer. This is, you know, it's easy to go to kind of fall into the conventional way of thinking when things aren't going your way. But this idea of really believing that the voice inside you is the only one that matters and, and, and being able to persevere, I think has been a very, um, a, a, a great differentiator for me. Um, finally, I would just say it's, it's one of the most important things in my life, uh, um, and I don't do this to be successful. That's that's not the end game. But what I think is very important for, for not just for women, but for for people in general, is the ability to listen and to really listen to the people that are around you, and the people that count, and the people that matter. Because that's where you learn things. When you're talking, you're not learning. When you're listening, you're learning. And it's amazing how much you can learn if you just shut up for five seconds and pay attention. And so I'm, I'm constantly, constantly reminding myself to take in what's around me, to listen, to observe, because that's where the real growth comes from. I absolutely agree. And when you really listen, you're ultimately really present. So that is when you soak up all of the wisdom and you learn the lesson. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I would love to turn the spotlight on you a little bit more now and find out what is bringing you the most joy in your life right now. At this exact moment, well, I've got a couple of professional things that are really, 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 I'm really stoked on. But the thing that is bringing me the absolute most joy that has ever, that has ever happened in my life is I had my first child, a uh, little boy in September. And so I've just had an incredible last, uh, six months, um, becoming a mom. It's just been an incredible, incredible, incredible experience and I'm having a, a, a lot of fun and uh, it's been a it's been a real joy to, to focus on him uh, somebody else actually as opposed to just myself so that's what I'm really working on and then professionally I've just had a blast you know promoting this book and having all these conversations you know like just this one we're having right now has just been so great I've met so many people I just I feel so fortunate to be in this position and to do what I love but also to just meet you know here here we are how many thousands of miles are we apart and we're having this great conversation so I I, I I've really had a lot of fun oh me too me too so how has motherhood changed you? I got to say, like, for all of the best laid plans that I've tried to do <laughs> for like 35 years, when, as you know, you, you have a, you have a son also, when that little baby comes along, you, you get lean really fast, um, in terms of like the stuff you need to get out of your life, because there's, it's just unbelievable the focus that this little baby needs from you and the attention and the love. And so it's been, you got to learn fast, you know, about what, 
to let go of. And, and, um, so it's been a really, it's been a really kind of interesting catharsis, this kind of forced letting go of stuff, but also super liberating. And you, you know, I just want to be as free as possible to absorb all of these great first moments. Um, and, and really, I don't know, really be present and, and, and really enjoy this, this, uh, this new, this new way of life. But man, I mean, I, uh, the amount of sleep after spending two years trying to work on my sleep and actually mastering it. And now <laughs> I'm like sleep, what, what is that? So yeah, it's, it's been interesting to try. I was very fortunate because I sold my other company leaf, uh, when I was four, four or five months pregnant. So I actually had this great, it wasn't planned, but I kind of had this great situation where my nine to five kind of went away just as I was heading into the second half of my pregnancy. And then once George was born, um, I had a lot more free time just to kind of devote to him. Although, you know, I'm doing the blog and the book came out and I also have a podcast. So I am doing a lot of work, but you know, it's, it's not nine to five work. It's stuff that I've, I've had to been really be really creative about finding the time for. Um, but I feel very lucky that I do have so much flexibility during this time. Yeah, children definitely do force you to get really laser focused and lean with what matters. And uh, Leo is my bonus son. So we have him one week on, one week off. And the weeks that we have him, I have to get everything that I need to get done that day by 3 p.m. because then it's school pickup and all of those things. You know what? I am so freaking focused on those days because I just, you just got to get stuff done. You've got these pockets and you've just got to get it done. And it really does force you to really weed out and simplify everything in your life. Like one of my favorite words is just to simplify, like simplify everything, what you eat, how you dress, like your house, declutter, like just everything in your life. Yeah. I love that you said that. And I would love to know how has it been juggling your career and being a new mom? I definitely had to make some concessions. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, but again, it's been a great, it's been a great learning experience because to your point, I found ways, I've been, I found ways to do things that normally would take me X amount of time and, and, and out of sheer necessity, I found ways that I can get the same thing done in half the time if I just get creative in, in, in my approach. And so that's been a wonderful kind of learning experience. And then again, you know, I have been very fortunate. I, I think my experience would be completely different if I was still running my, uh, my other company. Um, because that was, that wasn't even a nine to five. That was much more hours than nine to five. And so if I was still in that rule, I think I, we'd be having a totally different conversation here right now. I've just been fortunate enough, as I said, to, through great luck to sell my company right when in the middle of this journey, which was not, the way I was planning it, but it, it was a very pleasant surprise. And so uh, again, yeah, I, I'm not bound by those kind of traditional office hours and I'm, I'm loving that for where I am right now. Mm, so, so awesome. I'd love to know now, what is one thing you're working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? There are a couple of things. Number one, it's funny that we're talking about my work schedule because I'm actually struggling with this idea that eventually I'm going to have to start to do, I'm just knowing myself, I'm going to have to start to find something that is a little more structured in terms of work. Um, and so whether it's creating another company or, you know, whatever that looks like. 
And, and it's, it's kind of scaring me because, because for the first time in my life, I'm feeling super lazy about doing that. And for so long, that's been such a big part of my identity as, you know, being successful, especially online and, and, and running a pretty big company. And, and it's kind of a scary place for me to be where I'm like, God, is that even who I really am anymore? And so that's something I'm kind of, I wouldn't say I'm struggling uh, with it yet, but it is definitely percolating in my uh, consciousness right now. And, and I'm, it's, these conversations are coming more, more and more up in my head. And so that's something I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm struggling with, but I'm definitely dealing with it. And it's like, you know, this might be another great pivot in my life. And um, so we'll see. That's an ongoing kind of conversation that I'm having with myself. And then if I do somehow find that this isn't, you know, I don't want to go that route anymore, there is a little bit of an anxiety to say, okay, well, then if you're not going to do that, then what is going to define you? And, and what does that look like? Because that's going to be uncharted water for me. So I'm again, I'm just, I'm kind of starting right now having those preliminary conversations with myself, but um, it's kind of, it feels slightly ominous. So I'm, I'm working on that right now. Thank you for sharing and thank you for your honesty. <laughs> no problem. If you've got any answers, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> well, I think, you know, we go through life and our priorities change, especially when we become mothers and, and I'm a stepmom. And even when I became a stepmom, it shifted for me. Like, you know, I was the same as you. Like I had wrapped my identity so much around my work and what I do and in who I am in that space. But all of a sudden I'm now a stepmom and I loved that role as well. And it was it was really hard for me to grasp for a little while. And I'm sure if and when I birth my own child that it'll shift again, you know? So there's there's all these different phases and I think we've just got to soak up each one as they come. Yeah. Yes. I agree. Enjoy the moment. So let's pretend now that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides your book, which book would you choose? I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of uh, Malcolm Gladwell, and I love both the books, The Tipping Point and Outliers, and I think they're both very, very important for different reasons. But I think this idea of The Tipping Point that, that he talks about is just understanding that there is no magic bullet. There isn't necessarily people that are born with more talent. I mean, and even if they are born with more talent, that's not necessarily going to make you a successful person. It is about doing the work. And understanding in a very literal way how many hours you are willing to put into something um, to accomplish your highest goal. And if you are not uh, willing to put in, you know, he talks about 10,000 hours. If you're not willing to put in those 10,000 hours, then that is not the right goal for you. Or, or you're going to have to accept mediocrity. And so I think learning that lesson that there are kind of, there's no way to cheat, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how much you want something, no matter how much you're in the right place at the right time. If you're not willing to do the work, then you're going to have to be very comfortable with accepting mediocrity. Because as, a, as I said, there is no silver bullet for success. It is about how much you are willing to work for something. And then the idea is that you've got to work smart, not hard. I've gotten a lot out of both of those books. And then Outliers is obviously something that just says, talks about those unique people and the, 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 the exceptions to the rules, which I think is also very, very interesting. But if I had to choose one, I'd choose the tipping point. Mm, great. We'll link to that in the show notes so people can go and check that out. Now I've got three little rapid fire questions here for you. 
In your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? Sleep. Yeah. So many people say that and it's just something that we all have access to and we can all do, but it's so important. Yeah. The incremental psychological effects of a lack of sleep um, over time, over days, weeks, in my case, years, I mean, the damage it does. And then conversely, how much you can accomplish when you are well rested, both physically and psychologically. I just think the importance of getting, and again, the number is very personal to you, whether it's six hours, eight hours, nine hours, whatever it is, find out what that number is and then be conscientious about getting it because it really makes a difference, not just to success, but how you feel overall, just just on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I absolutely agree. All right. The next one is what is one thing that we can do today for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. I would say it is about taking the time to sit down with yourself and understand. Again, I talk about this throughout the book, who you are and what you really want, because in order to manifest those things, you have to be conscious of them. They're not just going to fall on your lap. You wouldn't even recognize them if they did, if you haven't been conscious about what it is you want in life and, 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 and what is going to make the difference for you on a personal level between a good life and a so-so life. And so I really do believe in manifesting great things to come into your life, but without understanding what it is that you really want, you, you don't stand a chance in manifesting anything in a meaningful way. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And the final little rapid fire question is, what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? First of all, start treating yourself with respect and and start loving yourself. You cannot attract love from anybody else if you don't really love yourself. So find the goodness in yourself, find the things that make you really happy and appreciate yourself. That kind of thing is so important, not just to attract love, but for your own personal joy, just to, to, to revel in who you are. Everybody has great great, wonderful things that are deserve love, but they deserve love most of all from yourself. So until you get that down, it's going to be very hard to attract the kind of love that you want, need, deserve. And then number two, you train people how to teach, how to treat you. So what you accept, what you tolerate, it's not about how other people treat you. It's about what you accept. And so you have to be very conscious about if people are not treating you with the love that you want, you've got to ask yourself, well, why am I accepting that? And you have to accept responsibility for the way people are treating you or not treating you. And if people are treating you a way that you don't like, you need to cut, stop that behavior. It's up to you to stop it. And for, and if they're treating you in a way that you really love, then you need to nurture that and 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 really appreciate it. So those are kind of the two things that I would say. Yeah, I love that. It's almost like we've got to set the boundaries for what we're going to accept. Absolutely. Now, I'm a massive believer in service and it's my mission to be of service to the world and to you today. So what is one thing that listeners and I today can do to serve you? Oh, well, I, I love that. That's very nice. You know, I'd be, I'd love it if uh, people listening would check out the book. Um, I spent two years basically writing it and uh, everything I kind of know is in that book. So I, I hope that it helps as much as I, I want it to. And I, I, I would appreciate people checking it out. Yeah, we'll link to it in the show notes so everyone can check it out. And before we go, one more question. Is there anything else that you want to share or any 
parting words of wisdom or anything that you want to talk about that I didn't ask you about? We covered a lot of ground, uh, but I would just say the, the starting point to, to all productivity and all happiness is finding your own truth and understanding who you are, not who you think you should be. And beyond, before anything, take the time to, to really get to know who you are. And that's where all good things start to come from. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much. And I just want to honor you for the work that you're doing in the world and for all of the love that you're spreading and all of the wisdom and all of the inspiration that you're pouring into the world. It's so awesome. And everyone, I need you to go and grab this book and we'll link to it in the show notes. But thank you so much for being here and for all of your wisdom in this episode. I'm so grateful. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I had a great time, great, great time chatting with you today. So many epic, potent reminders for all of those overachievers out there. I sure got a lot out of today's episode. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that Erin and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 97. And you can also check out all my other episodes there too. Just a reminder also that you can now order my second book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex. All you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your hands on a copy today. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you leave me a five-star review in iTunes. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them. Do whatever you have got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, beautiful, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.